Chorsey Eisen for like that. <laughs> And a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Christy Cooney hands over the Sam McGuire Cup to Graham County, Cork All-Ireland Champions for the seventh time ever. Hello and welcome to the Star Sport Podcast. My name is Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined as always by Star Sport Editor Kieran McCarthy. Before we kick things off, I'd just like to give a gentle reminder to our listeners and viewers to please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. We're edging ever closer to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube as well. So if you could get on there and click subscribe, that will be a great help for me and Kieran, we're heading to France this week to catch up with La Rochelle's new recruit, Don Manway's Darren Sweetenham. The former Munster and Ireland winger has recently switched from the Pro 14 to join Ronan O'Gara's Top 14 Revolution, and we caught up with him just hours before he made his debut for his new club, La Rochelle, on Friday. We'll also hear from Cork and Corsi Rovers Camogie star Linda Collins, who spoke to Jer McCarthy about the imminent return of inter-county action as well as Corsi's historic senior county championship win in 2020. But first, Kieran, the news broke on Sunday that 12 clubs from across Europe are set to launch a brand new European Super League competition. A statement from the Super League confirmed that AC Milan, Arsenal, Atletico Madrid, Chelsea, Barcelona, Inter Milan, Juventus, Liverpool, Manchester City, Manchester United, Real Madrid and Tottenham Hotspur have all joined as founding clubs. The statement did not clarify when the inaugural season will be, but it did mention that it would commence as soon as possible. The competition format puts it directly head-to-head with UEFA's own Champions League. So, Kieran, a lot to take in, but what are and were your initial thoughts when the news came across your timeline? over the weekend I think over the years we've all heard talk about possible super leagues and so on but never really thought it would actually come to fruition in the way that it has and it seems to be a deal that's a long way down the line even by the, the clubs you mentioned there like they've all released their, their different statements late on Sunday night and their various club websites and they seem hell-bent on going ahead with this it's just it's it's, it's hard at this early stage to still wrap your head around the jack because um we don't know what the long-term effect or what the big effect will be on, on the rest of football, but straight away, I, I'm not a fan of it because I've grown up, I suppose, on, on the Premier League. Kind of Some of my early memories are even going back to when United and West Ham drew nil all in the, I think it was 94, 95, or maybe around in um, the last day of the season and Blackburn beat Liverpool. I was in a in a pub with my dad watching that game because we didn't even have Sky Sports. Um, you know, kind of grown up on a diet of Premier League football. And I think that this Super League, it'll sound a dead nail in a way for the Premier League because for all these big six, as they call them, their eyes will be on this European Super League. And that will devalue the Premier League because no longer will, you need, will they need to finish in the top four to qualify for this European competition because the big six and these founding members, they're guaranteed their position in this league every year, which, which is nuts in a way because th- that means there's no competition there. Um, if United finish bottom of the Super League, whatever, if it does get off the ground, they're still in it next year. There's no relegation there for these founding members. So um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a big fan and I'm not a fan too of the name. 
how can you call a league that includes Spurs and Arsenal as Super League? Um, there's no Dortmund, there's no Bayern, there's no Benfica, there's no PS, PSG, there's no IX. You're talking about the big names of European soccer. Instead, we have six clubs from England, three from Italy, three from Spain. Um, looks like it's going to progress, Jack, but as a fan right now, I'm not in favour. Well, uh, you mentioned the name and how the Super League, how is it a Super League when it doesn't actually have all of the best teams? But it basically boils down to the fact that this is an Americanization of European soccer in the same way that the NFL called the Super Bowl the world champions when it's the only 16 or 32 American teams who actually compete in the sport. So how on earth could it be called the world championship? They say the same in the World Series of baseball, etc. And the fact that a lot of the clubs involved in this as founding members, so Liverpool, for example, Manchester United, um, who has Arsenal, they are all owned or run in some degree by American owners who are also involved in American football teams in America. So Stan Kroenke at Arsenal, the John Henry at Liverpool is involved with the Boston Red Sox and so on and so forth. And the Glazers, of course, at Man United, Joel Glazer was quoted in all of his statements. So I very much see this as they're them trying to turn European soccer into more. Well, it is. I'm not Joe, um, Joe breaking new ground by saying this. It's basically their attempt to recreate the NFL with European soccer. And as anyone who listens to this or who follows NFL in any way, shape or form, NFL is the only show in town when it comes to American football, as in there is not like lower league NFL matches that are also across the weekend. It's basically just the 32 big teams that are involved and that's it. And this is essentially what the European Super League is going to do. It's going to cut off all links with, say, using the English example, the Championship or League One or League Two, and even using the Irish context, like when a Dundalk or a Cork City qualify for the Champions League or the Europa League group stages, their biggest prize is the potential to play one of these clubs, like we saw with Shamrock Rovers when they drew Tottenham in the Europa League a number of years back. That's going to be stripped away, potentially, because the Irish clubs will still be competing in whatever's left of the Europa League and the Champions League qualifying rounds. But the big names will no longer be there. So that idea that you could dream from five, six or seven. And I know I've seen this written around the place everywhere. Like Anna Herrera, a player I'm sure you're fond of and have fond memories of from his time with Man United. He made the point on social media that that idea that your club could potentially rise up and take on the best the game in Europe has to offer by qualifying for the Champions League knockout rounds and then the group stages. That's essentially going to be taken away because all the big boys, in theory, will focus their attention on the European Super League, of which they're all going to be guaranteed spots every year. No relegation, no promotion, similar to the NFL. And like any time, any time in Europe, we copy something that the Americans do. It's never good. Like, I don't know why we always look to them for inspiration. US soccer guy on Twitter. I don't know if you remember him. He used to be quite funny back in the day. He hasn't been as prominent recently, but I seen he did have a tweet that kind of summed it up for me. And he just basically said, real awesome to see MLS Europe move one humongous step closer to being a reality. And like, it's obviously satirical, but he makes a valid point. And uh, so, yeah, I like I'm with you, Kieran. I'm not a fan of this in the slightest, but I do think it's going to happen because money talks 
unfortunately in a, in this society, especially when it comes to big, high-level sport. 100%. You said money talks, Jack. The money they're talking around here is astronomical. It's billions and billions and billions of euros. Even the clubs are competing. I think even, is it every year, they might get between 200 and 250 million euros to compete in, in this Super League compared to the money that they generate off the, off the Champions League. So it comes down to greed. It comes down to money. You mentioned there, the American owners of so many of these clubs, they've seen the model that over in America with with, with, um, with with the NFL, and they're trying to introduce the exact same thing here with the, with this European Super League. And just looking again at, if you've Spurs and Arsenal in a Super League derby kind of late in the season, when the two teams are getting hockeyed by every, every other side in it, where's the interest in that? Because they can't get relegated. They can't win the competition. It's midweek. It's almost a dead rubber of a game. So even though they're billing it as a Super League, some games will be super, but there'll be a lot of dead rubbers in it too. And I'm even as a Man United fan, United haven't won the Champions League since 2008, haven't won the league since 2013. United haven't qualified for how many Champions League campaigns over the last couple of years. Yet suddenly, because of the history and, tra- and tradition of the club, and because they're um, they're known as one of the, the big clubs in the world, they just take their spot here automatically. But results on the pitch over the last couple of years, they haven't even deserved to get to the Champions League and they've missed out on qualification so that's why it just doesn't sit easy with me that this this lack of competition in this new league, which is all about money, um, that's all it comes down to. These big clubs will get richer, and that means the gap between them and the other clubs will get bigger and bigger and bigger. And stories like Leicester winning the Premier League a couple of years ago, like that's I know it's one of those doesn't happen too often, but that was a great story. Leicester kind of shocked the big boys, got their hands on the league title, got into the Champions League the following season. It's the romanticism of football. It shows that it can happen. But those stories are will be dead in the water now because unless they're winning the Premier League, they can't get into this Super League. You know, kind of. I know they're talking about there, there could be 20 clubs in the Super League at some stage and 15 of them are the founder members and there's a way that five other teams might be able to get in and out. But it just, it just doesn't sit right at all, Jack. And the kind of the sad thing is, it looks like it's going to progress. There's, it's it's so advanced it seems at this yeah. stage that um I don't know how UEFA. I know they've been pretty hard hitting with their with their rhetoric today. I don't know how they're going to stop this because it's a runaway train at the moment. Um, and when you see Joel Glazer's name appearing on Liverpool web the website yeah. and the Man City website, you know there, there's something stinks right here. That's the thing. It's like almost puke-inducing some of the things that are associated with it. And I saw one uh, tweet that particularly made me want to want to hurl all over myself, to use an American phrase, hurl, just to keep on the theme of today's discussion. But it was that in the discussions amongst the founding members, when they're plotting, we'll say, a phrase they're using to describe the fans of their clubs based in their cities are legacy fans. Joe, these are old news. They'll always be there. So we don't need to worry about them too much. They're now focusing on their new fan bases, you know, in this globalized economy. So the Liverpool fans who have been, or United fans or Juventus fans or whoever, who've been going home and away for 30 or 40 years, you know, spending all their money, they're now seen as legacy fans. They're not quite as important. They don't really matter. We're going to focus on the Chinese and Indonesian markets, which look, that's, I understand that is capitalism. That is how the world's economy works, but that doesn't make it okay in my book. And just to finish uh, before you can uh, maybe give your final thoughts on it. 
I think one of the beautiful things about soccer and one of the reasons it's been so successful globally for over 100 years, the reason it's the biggest sport in the world is because through a series of leagues and competitions, it's all interconnected totally. So even if you're playing as I did in like the 50th tier of London Sunday League, you could still, in theory, climb the ladder and qualify into the Football League or enter the FA Cup and go on a dream run. And that, even though you know in your heart of hearts, <laughs> that's never going to happen. But it's just that idea that you're playing in the same competition as the stars of the Premier League or even in Ireland, in Sunday League, junior soccer. In theory, the Baltimore Crabs could enter the FAI Cup and win a few rounds and go on and play Cork City. And again, that is never likely to happen. But the idea that you're all playing under the one umbrella is what makes it such a special game. And I think this is going to cut that link completely. This European Elite Super League is in theory going to be a separate entity from the rest of the global game because although FIFA and UEFA haven't covered themselves in glory the last ever, at least they are representative of the entire game globally. Like There are FIFA delegates from... Botswana, there are UEFA delegates from San Marino and Malta. No, it's not totally all about the top tier team. So I think that's one of the saddest things. It's going to turn a globalized game into an elitist 12-team competition. And uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's a bit, and it's a bit annoying, like, you know, that they can just do this. But uh, I don't know if you want to make a final point before we move on and talk about something more positive. Yeah, just you mentioned there about legacy friends, Jack, and that comes back to what I was saying at the start about when I was young, going off to the, my dad take me to the pub to watch that United West Ham game where United lost the league at, at Upton Park. Um, but friends nowadays, there's a new generation of fans that I'm not really tapped into, but I was reading something very interesting online that they're growing up in this kind of these FIFA competitions and this yeah. fantasy football world where you can have Mbappé, Messi and Ronaldo in, in the same forward line and it's almost this aspirational fantasy football as such and I think what this European Super League is looking to tap into these these sort of fans and get them on board as new fans and almost a new stream of revenue and they're, they're leaving the, the real fans you could say behind them and while I know a lot of fans, you could see the outrage on social media since this news broke and a lot of, well, most fans, nearly all fans are disgusted with, with what's happening. Will you stop watching Liverpool if they're in the Super League? Like, I'm not going to, like, I won't stop watching Man United. I'm not going to burn my United jerseys or burn my scarf. I'm still going to going to watch United. And I, I think the clubs know that too, that there will be this outrage, there will be this backlash, but that will die down and this thing will, will press on. So... I'm I'm uneasy about it. I hope it doesn't come to pass. Um, but capitalism has a way of just ploughing through and soaking up all the money that's available and spewing out all the little people. And capitalism hasn't been stopped yet, and I don't think it's going to be stopped anytime soon. But let's talk about something more positive now, Kim, because we could go on about that all day and come up with no solution because the anger is palpable across Europe. But one player who has made the switch to the continent is Don Manway's Darren Sweetenham. Nice little segue there. Who's left Thoman Park and Munster to join Ronan O'Gara's French revolution at La Rochelle. And Kieran, you spoke to Darren just before he made his debut for his new club on Friday evening. So maybe first of all, tell us how his debut went because this podcast was of course recorded before that game 
and then maybe talk to us about Darren's switch. So Darren came on as a 60-minute sub for La Rochelle as they beat Leon um, 38-23 at home in the top 14 on Saturday night. So that was Darren Sweetnam's first taste of top 14 rugby and hopefully the first of many appearances to come. So I caught up with Darren just before that, just to check in with him to see how he's settling in in France since he swapped Toman Park for for the for the, for the south the southeast of France. So um, the good news in, he's settling in well, as you'll hear from now quite soon. He's got set up with an apartment and a car from La Rochelle. He's looking forward for for now to the end of the season because he's there on a short-term contract, Jack. And the hope for Darren is that he can impress La Rochelle enough that they, they might offer him a contract for next season or some other club might come in and offer him a contract because Darren Sweetnam was out of contract with Munster this summer and a new contract was not forthcoming. So he had to take his future into, he, into his own hands and take control of his destiny. And that's why he's decided to to join La Rochelle until the end of the season. And Ronan O'Gara was a huge part of that decision. It was a phone call from Ronan O'Gara that kicked off this chain of events that saw Darren make his debut for, for La Rochelle last Saturday night. So like I said, um, big couple of weeks and months ahead for Darren Sweetnam. He's trying to secure his future. But as you'll hear from him now, he's in good form. Now we're going all the way to the southwest of France to catch up with a Dunmanway man who was putting his leave in Cirque French to good use. Welcome to the podcast, Darren. <laughs> oh, thanks very much for having me here, and it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, so before we chat rugby, La Rochelle and Munster, um, you made the move to La Rochelle two weeks ago. So just to see, how are you settling in so far? And have you a chance to see much of the city, Darren? Uh, not really now at the moment, to be honest, because because of COVID, everything's kind of closed down. So it's only, um, it's only takeaway kind of food and stuff at the moment, but... Um, yeah, I've, I've had a walk around the city and uh, it's, it's an incredible place. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, and obviously the weather, the weather has been great as well since I got over. Um, so, yeah, I'm settling in good now. I, I kind of have my apartment and my uh, and the club gave me a car as well. So, um, yeah, it's great. I'm settling in well now at the moment and uh, I'm really enjoying it, actually. You'll be able to get out and about in the car. So just to check on that leave insert French, are you put it all to good use? <laughs> oh geez, I don't know, Karen. That was that was nine years ago now. Uh, <laughs> I think it's all here in the back of my head. I just need to bring it out somehow. But uh, I'm getting the hang of it. So the the club have a they have a French teacher, um, so I'm doing lessons once a week with him. Um, so to be fair, I can do all the greetings and the bonjours and the savant and whatnot. But uh, after that, there's not much. More, there's not there's not much in there at the moment. But I'll get there. I'll get there. I can actually sense a new section in the Star Sports section over the next couple of weeks. Learn French with Darren Sweetnam. It could be something that we could run every week. Darren Sweetnam teaches us a new French phrase every week. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, um, so before we look back at your Munster career, let's chat about this move to La Rochelle because it seemed to come about very fast. You packed up your locker on a Friday at Munster and you were over in France a couple of days later. So... How fast did this move come about, and when did you first hear that it was a possibility? Oh no, it was. It happened very, very fast. Uh, like so, Ron Nagara rang me. Um, I think it was a Monday night, and he wanted me over. He wanted me over before the before the next Monday, because um, I think just to be registered for Europe. But um, things were stalled, kind of on on this side. Um, so I didn't get over it until the following the following weekend, but um, yeah, it all happened very quick to be honest. Because 
I literally he called me and I was ready to go and then things were stalled a little bit but um, eventually kind of got done anyway and um, I'm here now so um, but it was kind of a bit of a whirlwind really because on one side I was obviously sad to be leaving Munster I didn't want to leave but on the other side it's a massive opportunity and to work with Raj as well like um, I couldn't really I couldn't really turn down you know and how much was that opportunity to work under Ronan O'Gara um, a part of your decision to go there? Because he said since you're the first Munster player he's ever signed as a coach, so you'll always have, have, have a piece, of soft, I suppose, a place in Ronan O'Gara's heart for that. But the chance to work with him, how important was that? Oh, geez, absolutely. It was, it was massive, you know, him being a Munster hero, a hero of mine growing up, obviously. I say he would have been one of the main reasons I actually kind of got into rugby. Um so to actually be able to work with him and, um, you know, just to kind of learn from really is, is obviously an opportunity I couldn't really refuse. Um, and he's like, since I've got over, he's just been so welcoming. Um, you know, he's had me over to his house and everything just to meet his family um, who are absolutely lovely and everything. Um, so, yeah, it's, look, it was, it was a tough decision because obviously I've been a Munster for, since 2012 and, you know, I never really saw it ending this early, but um, I guess, look, I didn't have anything at the end of the season anyway. So when, when Raj rang me, I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd love to work with you and um, hopefully I can add something to the team because they're going very well at the moment as well. So, yeah, it was just a great opportunity. Like obviously, mentioned there, Ronald Aguirre, he's doing great things with La Rochelle, kind of Europe flying high in, in the top 14. He's really putting together a very strong coaching CV himself. But besides that, the fact it's a familiar face, a familiar voice for you, a fellow Corkman, it must help you even settle in over that, that little bit more. Yeah, oh, 100%. Just from like a, from a Corkman as well, you know. Um, he He's just, he's, he's so welcoming and it definitely helps that like, I know someone over here as well, you know, I'm not coming over here and don't don't know a person. Um, but even the lads as well, like there's a lot there's a lot of English speaking lads on the team as well, um, who are who are very friendly and very welcoming as well. So um uh, to be fair, it's actually it's been an easier transition than I thought it would be. Um but the only thing is just getting the hang of the French, the, the language barrier is probably the, the hardest thing, but because all like all the coaching and um all the chat on the pitch and everything is in French, obviously. So I just need to get my head around that a little bit, but I'll get there eventually. So when you went over, Darren, it's on a, initially it's a three-month deal as injury cover until the end of the season. So what's the thought process behind this move for you? Is it put yourself in the shop window, get game time for La Rochelle, and then either they might offer you a contract or some other club, club might come in and offer you a contract for next season? Is that basically what this what you're hoping to get out of this? this yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it was just just premium contract, so, um, but it was a, look, it's a great opportunity to kind of get my to get my I don't know I suppose get into France as well. You know, it's get the foot in the door, um, and hopefully if I go well, there might be something here or or else some other club might pick me up as well. So it's risk it's it's risky, but then again, it's not either because I didn't have anything back home. So, um, so hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Hopefully I can stay on here because it's an incredible club. Um, but if not, hopefully someone else will pick me up as well. 
with Laura Guest on the podcast a couple of weeks ago and she was telling us that she thinks your game is suited for French rugby. Did you always keep an eye on, on, on the top 14 and what do you like about it? Oh, yeah, definitely did. It's, it's the only problem is in Ireland, it's, it's very hard to watch it because it's because uh, it's a canal, it's clan plus, isn't it? Um, but you know, you'd always like there'd always be videos on YouTube and um, and Instagram and stuff. And but yeah, like the top 14 is just they they, they focus more on keeping the ball alive. Um, I think like there's a lot of islanders over as well that are like grew up practicing offloading and um, offloading after contact and stuff. So I think. I think that kind of suits my game as well. So um, I look, I'm really excited now to get kind of stuck into things and just play like heads up rugby and um, more unstructured. And hopefully that will suit me more. You mentioned there about, about training and I presume like it's obviously very high quality training, but what was that first training session like for you? <laughs> I was, it was good. It was good. It was, uh, it was refreshing because it was, it's very different to Munsters. Um, it was, how would I say it? It's, well, obviously, first of all, the coaching's done in French, so I kind of have to ask the lads, oh, what's he saying there? Um, uh, but, you know, all, like, rugby's kind of the same all over the world, really. It's just getting the hang of it. Um, but, yeah, it was good. It was good. It's intense, and um, I'm getting better, getting better day by day, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, I'm flying it. But there's hopefully fingers crossed big things ahead in the colours of La Rochelle. So let's look back in the in your time in the, the in, in the red of Munster. Um, how tough a decision was it so to say goodbye to Munster? Like you said earlier, you were there since 2012. You've had almost a hundred appearances for Munster. You were the young player of the year back in 2017. You achieved so much. So for you to decide oh, the next part of my career lies away from this club, was that a very tough decision for you to make? Yeah, it was, it was, and it wasn't. It was tough because, as I said, it's my home club. It's the club that, you know, I I dreamed of playing for growing up, and um, and I haven't achieved. I didn't achieve really what I kind of set out to achieve. But um, I, as I said, I, I would like to have made the made those hundred caps. But I also have to look back at it and be like, look, I've had a, I've had a great career. Um, and I've had the opportunity to play in some in some massive games and play with some incredible players. Um, and I look, I look I look back with very fond memories. Like I've had some incredible days. Like the like uh, some like even the Maori All Black game, um, the Glasgow game, and the Axel game. It's, there's there's a lot of games that stand out. But yeah. Uh, it's, it's incredible, but it's it's sad as well in a way that I kind of have to end like this because I didn't even get to say a proper goodbye to the lads or anything like that. Um, could just happen so fast, but um, uh, look, I've yeah, I, I've made look, monsters full of incredible people as well, and I've made some friends for life. So um, yeah, look, I look back, I look back with really fond memories, but I'm I'm really looking forward to this this opportunity and and what what's ahead now. So. Yeah. Because you wrote a contract in the summer with Munster there. When did you get the inkling that there wasn't going to be an offer there that for you for next season and, and the season after? Uh, it's hard to kind of say a specific date, but I was kind of getting the vibes anyway that look, things weren't looking great. I, I was 
I was falling down the pecking order. Um, and uh, look, it's tough to know. Like, um, you know, you just kind of get the vibes when you're when you're not playing, and there's lads playing ahead of you. That you know, um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that one. Really, it's and it, like like you said. Now you have that opportunity with La Rochelle, but even to re- reflect there on some of those highlights, like you mentioned there at Munster, that Axel game, your first Champions Cup try against Toulouse, I think, the scoring the try against the Maori All Blacks in, in 2016. Yeah. Like you could fill a highlights reel with those alone. So if you were to, if you were to pick the top one or two, which are the ones that stand out for you, Darren? Oh, I say probably the Maori All Black try, just because the the atmosphere was absolutely incredible. Um, and then obviously the the Toulouse game as well. I scored a try in that game. That was it's just the atmosphere in Tolman Park. Um, and then what else? When I made a tackle, remember to race back against Glasgow, um, and just the roar that day was obviously all the emotions involved in that day as well was was incredible. So uh, look, there's there's been so many great days there. It's, Makes me kind of emotional thinking about it now that I'm never going to play in in a in a packed top tone park again. But look, that's that's sport that can be cruel sometimes. But um, uh, look, you move on pretty quickly, and it's kind of on to the next thing now, really. And what is it like to play in a packed tone park? You just mentioned the roar of the crowd there. Yeah, yeah. As I said, as I said before, it's. Uh, they almost they almost make you like make you play above yourself, really. Just you can actually give that extra bit when like you have that crowd behind you. I know it's kind of a cliche, but it is actually like having a, a 16th man. Um but over here as well, supposedly it's a it's a massive rugby city and the fans here are supposed to be incredible. So hopefully I get to experience that um when things open up again, which who knows when when that will be, but I've seen, I, I was looking at some videos on YouTube and uh, I think it was when they got uh, promoted up to the top 14. Um, and I think that the players got a boat like into the port and it literally just swarmed the people um, around the port and it's absolutely incredible. So I'd love to experience that, but who knows? Who knows if I will be able to, but um, yeah. So oh, that sounds class. And I was going to say too, Darren, you're parked in this this entire West Cork rugby story is so, so important because I've said before, you're, you're a fellow who joined the dots from West Cork to Toman Park and you showed fellas in West Cork that it is possible to, to play rugby professionally. When you look back now to when you made that decision in 2012 to go down the rugby path, did you ever think that you'd achieve what you did, like play with Munster, three caps in Ireland, now you're going to be playing in the top 14 with, with Leverchelle and France? Did you, ever, did you ever think that that decision would lead to such highs? Honestly, no, I didn't. Um, I suppose back then you kind of you don't look too far ahead either. Obviously, you dream about all those things. Like you, you want to play in in Tolman Park and Highland Cup, and you want to play for Ireland and stuff. Um, but at the time, you're kind of just taking it one step at a time, really. Um, but now, now that I look back on it, and yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of what I what I achieved. Um, and hopefully, it's not over yet, obviously. Hopefully I can kind of push on over here now as well and kind of start a new, a new journey. Because 
as well when the, when the news came out that you were going to La Rochelle what stood out to me is you're only 27, 28 because you've been around for so yeah. long for some reason I thought you were a lot older than you are so like you still have a lot of rugby left to play and Laura Guest made that point on the podcast two couple of weeks ago Keith Earls is 33 now and he's in the form of his life and you're what 27, 28 so you've yeah. a big chunk of your career left to play so you must be hungry and ready now just to get out and play again yeah, well, I think I think Kieran's kind of out on his own, really. He's he seems to be getting better with age, but no, exactly. I'm still I'm still young. Um, I still have hopefully hopefully good for good few more years in uh in fresh and rugby. So, um, just need to kind of keep working hard and and yeah, just see what happens, really. Talk about working hard. The lads of West Cork have been working hard over the last couple of years, and now there's a huge West Cork um, influence. Oh. In Munster at the moment, it's incredible. Gavin Coombs is having a season of his life. Fanine Witchley was oh. in with, with Ireland last year. John Hodden is obviously highly rated. You've Liam Coombs, Jack Crowley, Josh Witchley. Oh, that's incredible. Um, what, what's it been like the last couple of years to see all these West Cork lads come up into Munster and make their presence felt as well? Oh, it's, it actually makes me so happy to see so many of, of just your own West Cork lads in and around the squad. And it's crazy because it just happened so fast over like. The last couple of years, you just see like like Gab has taken it to the next level. He's he's going to be in Irish jersey before 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 we know it. Um, and Finine and as you said, like John Hodden as well. Obviously, he's been unlucky with that injury, but before that, he was he was absolutely flying it, and I'm sure he'll he'll get back to that those those levels again. But like Liam Coombs, oh, there's there's incredible talent. It's just I think I think now that it's actually. Because there's, there's always talent being in West Cork. It's just the fact that we need to find find the talent. But now that I think they know they're obviously going to look more. And I think as well now the players coming up underage will see that look, there's a lot of West Cork lads in this in this monster squad. We can do it as well. So um, I reckon you'll see a lot more West Cork lads coming up through the through the ranks. And yeah, it's it's great. It's absolutely great to see. Um, like I can't, I can't wait to see you know like what Gab does and and John and Finine as well like both Whitley brothers I didn't even mention them sorry but they're obviously absolutely incredible as well so um, yeah it's so exciting for for West Cork and uh, West Cork is incredible like has some amazing sports people as well so um, yeah I'm a very proud West Cork man so. Oh, that's, that's great to hear. And you mentioned, obviously, Gavin Coombs there, like I said, form of his life. And you said there, it's probably not too long before he gets an Irish senior cap. Like, you've three caps to your name, but do you think someone like Gavin potentially has a big career ahead of him internationally? Oh, absolutely. I absolutely think so, yeah. And uh, and especially, you know, with CJ Stander retiring, um, that'll, that'll hopefully give him a bit more, few more opportunities at, at eight. So, oh, look, I, I think he's going to push on and who knows? Like the sky's the limit for him. He can, he can rack up as many caps as, as he wants. Really, I think so. Uh, it's, it's very exciting for him, and uh, he's he's class act. You mentioned there about being very proud to be from West Cork, and Donny's GA is very proud that you play for them before. And I throw a tweet there after you signed for La Rochelle, and I said that the Donny's hurlers will have to hold off a couple of years until they get Darren Sweet and back in their in their club colours. <laughs> I'm thinking of Tomas O'Leary here years ago when he came back to play with Aaron's own. Is it something ever in the back of your mind, like way, way, way down the line? Like when when the professional rugby career finishes up in your your mid to late 30s, did you ever think, 
all right, I'll go back to the Donnies for one more year and show them what I'm all about. <laughs> I don't know, Karen. Uh, I don't know if the body would be up to it, but no, if the body's up to it, I'd definitely be uh, up for a few games. I don't know, would it be uh, probably Junior B or something like that? But um, oh, no, I don't know. I still have the odd puck around there. So yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to, but who knows? Who knows? My, my girlfriend's Scottish, so. Um, I don't know whether we come back to Ireland or we come to Scotland, but there's no hurling over there. It might, it might be shinty. It might be shinty. Who knows? <laughs> so, so what's the plan for the next couple of weeks? So, Darren, kind of, is the hope to get a couple of top fourteen appearances in? Like I said earlier, show them what you can do. Yeah, exactly. Um, just kind of put my, my my best foot forward now. Hopefully, get get a few games and play well and um, and just kind of show show Raj really what what I can do and. And uh, yeah, kind of go from there, really. When you have a motivation like that, like you've a point to prove in a way and you've this short window to prove it. So are you very motivated right now to, to show Ronan O'Gara and La Rochelle just how good Darren Sweetenham is? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, it's, I kind of feel like I have a point to prove as well and, and show that I'm still, I'm still capable of playing at this top level. Um, so... I think it's it shows it shows phase well that Raj Raj brought me over and it gives me a bit of confidence that he brought me over when when La Rochelle are going so well as well and um and coming over at a very important part of the season so um that gives me a lot of confidence and hopefully I can kind of portray that on pitch now and and push on and and show show people what I'm what I'm still capable of. Can you tell us that Ronald O'Gara said to you when he, I suppose, when he touched base with you first and when you came over, like, what is he hoping to get out of you for the next couple of weeks and months? Um, he just said, he just said, just basically have a go, really, and just um, don't worry about the detail or anything like that. Just um, back yourself, and um, it's a great opportunity for you, um, like, to play very attractive rugby. Um, so... Hopefully, I'll see see a lot of the ball, a lot more ball, and a lot more ball in space as well, um, which which is really exciting, and I, I can't wait to get on the pitch with them now. Because oh, um, you even get glimpses of that in training. It's just they they play with a lot more wit than what we might have seen in Munster. So um, yeah, it's it's really exciting, and really looking forward to it. And playing with that with that more wit, that's right up your alley. So like you can stretch the legs and show what you can do. Exactly, exactly. Hopefully, get the ball with bit more time and a bit more space and kind of get an opportunity to take on guys one-on-one um, and that's what every winger wants so um, yeah so hopefully hopefully get those opportunities now it's exciting times ahead in the next couple of weeks and yeah. months. So we might we might do Darren in a couple of weeks we might check back in to see how those French lessons are going and you might we might ha- have this podcast in French in three months time you, well you'll have to practice your French as well so and uh, we'll have a conversation in the French okay. That sounds that sounds like a challenge. We'll have to take that one up. But come here, Darren. Thank you so much for for giving us your your time today and best looking in the weeks and months ahead. Oh, thanks very much, Darren. Thanks, thanks a million for having me as well. Um, that's been great. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West Cork. Twenty twenty was a marquee year for our next guest, primarily because she was part of the Corsi Rover side that famously landed the club's first senior county camogie title. And Ger McCarthy caught up with Linda Collins to chat about that and the imminent return of the inter-county camogie scene.
Delighted to be joined by the new Cork Senior Camogie Captain Linda Collins from the Corsi Rovers Club. Linda, thank you very much for joining us here on the Southern Star Sports Podcast. No problem, Jerry. Thanks for having me. Uh, first of all, congratulations. Captain of your county is a, a lovely accolade. When did it happen and when did you get news of, of this and how did it happen? Yeah, so I suppose um, being captain of Cork is something I never would have thought I would end up being, but it's a great achievement. I'm really, really looking forward to the year ahead. Um, just thinking of all the people that have gone before me as captain of Cork and all the people I've played under, it is a great achievement and I am really looking forward to the year. Um, a few months ago, I suppose my club put me forward as we had won the county this year. So it's the, it's the club chooses then from the who's going to be captain and they decided it would be me. So I suppose it's an honour then for me to be able to represent my club and represent my family um, on the Cork scene as well. And even for the group of girls, I suppose we've been playing together so often now and in the last few years that it's great for me to be able to represent the girls as well and bring everyone together again after such a tough time of it last year. So hopefully now it'll be a positive year. I would imagine you, like all your teammates and your club mates, are just delighted now that the opportunity to get back out on the pitch and training is around the corner. Yes, definitely. As I was saying to you earlier, um, I'm teaching fifth class at the moment and I was training them hurling today. And all I wanted to do was join in and put on a helmet because they were just having so much fun and getting stuck in. And that was all I wanted to do was really join them. But it's uh, it's very exciting. And I mean, we've gone so long without it now. Everyone is so eager and enthusiastic to get back. So, no, definitely looking forward to it. And I know the girls there as well. And we're all counting down the days. <laughs> How difficult has it been for Summer Cove National School and just teaching and, and throughout the pandemic for you? Um, it's been different. I, I suppose, you know, the children are really adaptable and they're adapting really well to it. But it is definitely different, you know, reminding them to sanitise, reminding them to stay in their pods in their class and things like that. And I suppose the mask as well, you'd nearly be dizzy at the end of the day with wearing the mask all day and they can't hear you and you can't hear them. And <laughs> it's all a bit frustrating. But, you know, I mean, it's a lot better than being stuck at home because, to be honest, that wasn't much better. So I'd much rather be in school and have the buzz of going to school and seeing the kids and stuff. So, no, it's it's the best of what it could be really I suppose. Good stuff now a National League campaign brilliant we get to talk about matches that are coming up and uh, uh, something for Cork to aim for but before we just talk about the two teams you'll be playing talk to me about your manager Paddy Murray and how important he has been in your career but also to the current Cork setup. Yeah um, Paddy has put in so many years so many hours so much time into Cork Mogi that credit where credit is due because he always wants to get the best out of the team he always wants to bring in the best management he's always talking about how we can get better how we can improve and it's constantly improving he's he's never happy with just staying the same he always wants to improve so I suppose that's why Karkamogi has done so well in the past few years so I suppose this year now we really want to lead in America and as I said like the, we've new management in there this year. We've Kevin Murray back. We've a new SNC and Kevin Dunn, um, Matthew Toomey and Teddy O'Donnell are back as well. So there's a good crew coming back together. So next Tuesday, really, it's getting to see everyone back together and then build from there. But Paddy has put together such a good management team 
that we'd like to do that justice now by representing ourselves well on the pitch. Now, there was a, a curtailed league campaign last year because of COVID, but you've got a group now with, Tipper, uh, with Tipperary and Waterford coming up two monster teams. How much are you looking forward to those games and what, do you expect, what, what are you expecting from both of those teams? Well, to be honest, you can never predict a game between Waterford and Tipperary because it's always it's always diehard until the final whistle is blown. And I feel it's tit for tat for the whole game. And they're such they're two such physical um, teams as well, you know, that it's a constant slog throughout the game. So I think what will be really important, as you said, is such a condensed season that the it's not going to be 15 players. It's going to need to be 20 to 21 players, you know, that are coming on throughout the game because it is going to be tough and especially against the likes of Tip and, Tip and Waterford when we always have a good battle with them and there's a nice little bit of rivalry as well um, between those teams so it's good to get off um, to a good start as well so hopefully we will be able to. Indeed it is and I just think that the prospect of actually just getting to play again would be fantastic not just for yourselves but for Camogie players all over the country and just something to focus on something new after such a gap but Prior to that gap, there was disappointment in last year's All-Ireland semi-final. Um, how much of that is, is a motivating factor or is it a motivating factor for Cork as they start off a new campaign again? Yeah, like in like there's two sides of it too, I, I suppose. You know, you, you don't want to dwell on it too much and use it too much and focus on that disappointment. You want to try and start the year fresh. But then on the other side of things, it's so hard to forget, even when I was talking to Libby the other day about um, our, that match last year and we were doing a bit of analysis, we were just saying, you know, we were just so frustrated with the game. So I suppose it, it would nearly annoy us to talk about it too much, but it is definitely a motivating factor, knowing that we could have done better, you know, and just wanting to do better this year. And I think the last two years we haven't been successful and I think it's just bringing back that back around now again and training hard and enjoying training hard and wanting to do better and wanting to improve again and making sure we put our best foot forward I think um but it's yeah well we will we will look at it and how we can improve from that I think it, we have to take a bit of pinch of salt as well and try and focus on a new year now and new management and try and drive forward from that yeah, because I think it says a lot about the high standards that Cork Camogie sets for itself when it's 2018 since you last won in All Ireland, and it's not a crisis, but it's looked upon as like you know we need to be getting this, we need we need to we need to write this. There's a bit of added pressure. Do you feel any added pressure as being the captain now? I don't feel any added pressure as being the captain. I think you're you're still going to work as hard as you can, and you're still going to try and put your best foot forward to make the team, and you're still going to do your best for the team. You know it's it is a team game at the end of the day. So, I mean, one one player, everyone has to pull together, you know. So I feel it's not so much, I don't feel a sense of pressure. I feel like I'd love for the rest of the girls to learn from me if they can learn anything from me and to pull them along together and hopefully we'll all roll the same way. <laughs> Indeed. And a lot of that, what you're talking about there stems from your club, course your overs. Let's just very briefly, because I had the, we, we had the pleasure in the Southern Star of interviewing quite a lot of your squad and of your management team and just the sense of pride uh, at winning a first senior county title against a really, really good team in Inniscarra, as you well know, one of the best. Um, scoring 1-5, as you managed as well in, in the final. I mean, it's, it's, it's comic book stuff. I mean, I, I asked the players, as I have done in previous interviews, has it sunk in? Obviously, it's sunk in that you're champions at this point, but that must still be very fresh in the memory and an absolutely lovely memory to have. 
Oh, it's huge. And I suppose, like you say, has it sunk in? Like every time we say it, it's still such a novelty, you know? And I feel we were talking the other day and we were saying, you know, the championship is being pushed out so much that we were saying, if the championship doesn't go ahead this year, does that mean that we were going to be champions again <laughs> for 2021? But um, obviously we'd love to earn that title again. But uh, no, great, great achievement. We were just delighted. Everyone... As I said, everyone came together on the day, worked so hard. But the thing was, is everyone enjoyed working hard because they could see the person beside them were putting their best foot forward. So then they knew that they had to work hard as well to make the team, you know. And the numbers that were at training, the crack that was had, just everything. And just seeing a smile on people's faces after the county final and everyone having something to talk about, as you said, creating a conversation. You know, when the rugby was on a few weeks ago everyone was talking about the rugby you know I feel around that time everyone was just talking about camogie and we we just loved it I feel like it does put a smile on our face every time we say it and there definitely is a sense of fright and we're still zooming away anyway on a Tuesday and a Saturday I don't know how that hasn't worn off yet but we're loving the catch catch-ups anyway I was going to ask that. I know all about the infamous zoom sessions and what goes on well I'm not been told what goes on in them but I mean um uh, is it is it kind of a rite of passage for a Corsi Rovers camogie pair that you have to go through this? Yeah, well, I don't know. It was last this time last year. I'd say Shirley said, "Look, I'm training anyway. Would anybody else like to join in?" And everyone started to join in. But you see, the thing was, is it wasn't this. This is the time the training is on. This is when everyone has to show up. It was a matter of training's on if you want to show up you know you can or you know it was almost a social thing as well because we'd be having a bit of crack what book are you reading or you know Shirley you killed us there on Tuesday night you know things like this and you'd be having a bit of banter there um before and afterwards so it was more of a social thing than anything else and then people started to get fitter and people started to realize they were benefiting from it so then it kind of got a bit addictive then after a while <laughs> how easy was it uh, to, to kind of skive off in the middle of those sessions with Shirley Maloney's eyes on you not not very <laughs> <laughs> I can that, actually yeah always on the ball yeah um the like when you become a county champion and now you become an inter-county captain things change I mean, you do your best so that they don't change. You know, you're the same person, you're the same player, you're the same talented player. You wouldn't be where you are if you didn't have that talent and that work ethic that you have. But as a captain, you also have to lead now and you have to talk to your manager and you have to do things on behalf of the players. So there's quite a bit of, I know you said you haven't changed as a captain, but coming into the year, it's not, it's not necessarily an added pressure, but it's something nice on top of everything else, like going back as an inter-county player to look forward to and you from listening to you you're ready for this I can tell that you're ready for this yeah and I am looking forward to it and I think you know a lot of the girls would know me and what I'm like and Hannah Luna Hannah Looney is always talking about how positive I am and she's like Linda how are you so positive but I don't know I, do, I just think it's so important to focus on the positives and I'd love to get the best out of players this year and even as a player last year I would love to have thought that I would have tried my best with people as well but I think it's so important that people do get to have someone to have the chat with and tell them that they are going well. And I suppose it is it is another title at the end of the day. But in one sense, everybody is still they everyone has the same goal, you know. And I think that that was especially last year with courses. Everyone had the same goal to win a county final. This year we all have the same goal. But I think it's really important to go step by step. And I think 
the support I'd love to give to the girls if anyone has any questions or anything like that I'd love to be there to answer them you know I'd I'd love to be able to support the girls the best way that I can um in any way that I can for the year so good answer natural captain and just finally mm -hmm. um I wanted to mention your family because your family are very very much involved in, in the course you over team your brother as uh, Liam and your sister Teresa I know they're quite involved but your mammy uh, Geraldine, talk to me about Geraldine and how involved she is in course rovers and how proud she must be. Yeah, so my mom was, well, my mom is vice chair of the club at the moment and she used to be chairperson years ago, um, but always at every game, um, at every, like would drop me to training when we played Galway last year. I said, oh, I don't know, my leg could be really sore because I was a bit injured last year. And I said, my leg could be a bit sore if I had to drive home. She said, oh, I'll drive you up, you know, and it was driving up to Galway, you know. So, I mean, I'm just so appreciative of everything she does do. And then we, like, sometimes if we had a match or anything and I didn't want to drive and she was going along as well, she'd always... Just and she'd have everything ready, you know. Do you want pasta? Do you want this? You know, it's always offering different things, and she knows not to talk about the matches and stuff in the morning. Whereas my dad could be asking questions, and my brother could be asking questions, and I'd be saying no, no, and my mom would be nearly telling them not to ask the questions. But um, and we actually, I was walking with my sister yesterday, and we met one of the other moms of a player. And I, I said to my sister, I said, I never knew you were such good friends with her. She said, Linda, many a day we spent on the sideline offering each other. I'm going for a cup of tea now. Do you want me to get you one? Or is everyone OK? Do you want a Malteser passing around the sweets and things like this? And she said, Linda, you'll miss the crack on the sideline. <laughs> so it does make you really proud knowing how much they enjoy being on the sideline and watching the matches and stuff as well. So I suppose you do it for them just as much as you do it for yourself. If I was to bring your dad, your brother and your sister on now and ask them who's the pet, who's mommy's pet, would that be you? Potentially. Potentially, <laughs> I think so. I think so. Yeah. Listen, Linda, um, just finally, uh, Cork are getting ready for, as we said, another another crack at the Camogie National League title. It'll be good to hit the ground running. It's not going to be easy. Tip and Waterford, as you said, are really going to put it up to you. But just finally, for the Camogie supporters out there who are dying to watch you again and get behind you again, how excited are you? and the team and what are you most looking forward to about this season? Um, this season I'm most looking forward to getting back to enjoying Camogie, um, working hard, training hard and seeing all the girls and having the crack before and after training because I think um, that's when you start to enjoy it once you're having the crack with the girls and you're like part of a sort of a community and I feel when you go so long without seeing them you're really looking forward to getting back to seeing everyone again so I suppose the crack before and after training and working in training hard uh, is what I'm most looking forward to and I know the girls are as well and playing matches and hopefully coming out the right side of them. Well the very best of luck from everybody here at the Southern Star to you and the Cork Senior Camogie team and the other Cork Camogie teams this year as well hopefully we'll catch up with you down the line. Lovely thanks so much Jerry. Thanks for listening to the Star Sport Podcast, number one for sport in West Cork. Welcome back to the Star Sport Podcast. And before we finish up, we're just going to preview what's to come in this Thursday's Southern Star Sports section. So Kieran, you might give us a teaser of what readers can expect.
Yeah, plenty of reading in this Thursday's Southern Star, Jack. We have um, interviews with Darren Sweetnam in the Collins. You heard from those two in our podcast just a little bit earlier. So we've good stuff with them in this week's Star. Also, the golf courses of West Cork are open again next Monday. So golfers right across the region will be practicing their swings this weekend and dusting down their golf clubs and and polishing up their, their golf shoes as they head out in the course next Monday. So Joe McCarthy caught up with a, a few different people from a few different golf clubs, from the course superintendent in Kinsale to Sarah Claridge in, in Skibbering Golf Club to Clannacilty Golf Club's captain as well. So good stuff there on the opening of golf clubs. Um, as well as that, I'm looking at the different managerial teams in in the various West Cork senior footballing hurling teams because the county championship draws are coming up next week. So just having a look at who will be plotting success for their various senior teams this year. They also caught up with Carby Rangers and Cork footballer John O'Rourke after the Munster Senior Football Championship draw today. So good interview with John O'Rourke in this Thursday Southern Star. He's chatting about how Cork need to kick on this year, build on on their um, improvement in 2020, rebound from the Munster final loss. And he also gives his thoughts on his Carby Rangers clubman, John Hayes, who's gone in as a Cork senior football selector. So there's there's plenty in there, Jack, plenty for our readers to get stuck in this Thursday. Brilliant stuff. And of course, if you can't make it to the shop to pick up a copy of the Southern Star, you can just go online to www.southernstar.ie forward slash e-paper and you can read the Southern Star on your computer, tablet or smartphone for less than two euro per week. I just want to give a quick plug to something else I'm doing on the Southern Star website this week and that is a new review series of the West Cork podcast. So we're going back and listening to every episode of the West Cork podcast and giving a West Cork perspective on each of them so check that out that's on www.southernstar.ie forward slash news thanks for listening to the star sport podcast we'll be back at the same time next week if you enjoy these shows please make sure to rate review and subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify youtube or wherever you get your podcasts and remember we're nearly at a thousand subscribers on youtube specifically so if you could click on even if you listen to the podcast on apple or spotify just fire up the youtube app on your phone click subscribe to the southern star channel and it will be a great help me and kieran are both in desperate needs of gold-plated front teeth and if we get a thousand subscribers we'll be that much closer to doing that what we could again. do jack sorry jack before you finish up we could ask the fans who are leaving the big six to join us in the star sport podcast so instead of United and Liverpool entertaining them every week. Come across to us and we'll keep you entertained for the next couple of weeks and months. And we promise we won't join a podcast Super League. Jack, we're we're, we're too down to earth men. We know where our bread is buttered, so we won't be leaving for anywhere higher. So join us on the podcast. Closing in on a thousand subscribers. On YouTube, yeah. Wow. So, well, yeah, I would just know. like to distance myself from those comments from Kieran. If any podcast supergroup wants to come and poach me, I'm more than willing to have the conversation. <laughs> Thanks for listening again. Slon Tomlin.